We're up to the pink candle today. And um, that's the candle of joy. And I said earlier, a few weeks ago, I said that, you know, Christmas is supposed to be purple. Purple is the Christmas colour from a church's point of view because Jesus is the king and purple is the kingly colour. But when you get to the third week, which is the theme of joy, for some reason the joy is so joyful it overwhelms the purple and we end up with pink. So here we are today celebrating the joy of the Lord. The first week of Advent, we, I preached and, and the theme was Christ our hope. If you missed it, you must go back and listen. Last week, my father preached on peace, Christ our peace. And today, we'll talk about how Christ is our joy. Next week, we'll talk about love, except Christ isn't our love in the same way that the other three. Love's a little bit different. We'll figure that one out next week. But today, we're going to talk about Christ our joy. To do that, let us go and read from Luke's Gospel, starting in chapter 1. We'll read a big old chunk, verse 26 through to 45. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what type of greeting this might be. (laughs) Um, But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. You will conceive and will give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end. That's an amazing promise. Your kid's going to be the Messiah. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. It's not about Mary today, but I think she's about the only person in the Bible who never had an excuse or complained. Go compare, say, with Moses or other people who had like five excuses why they didn't want to do what God said. So Mary's one of those special people that was very trusting and very obedient. But we've got a bit more to read. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and she greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of the Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil his promises to her. She was blessed because she believed. But, a verse before... 
the baby in the womb leaped for joy. Mums, what's it like when the baby moves? What's it like if the baby leaps? <laughs> I have no idea what that would be like, but you know, like mums get pretty excited. <gasps> the baby just moved. This baby leaped <laughs> for joy. The baby leaped for joy. Now, I don't know how the mum knew that this baby was leaping for joy. Sometimes you just know things. You know how like the Lord sometimes just, you just know that God's saying something, but you ask yourself, how do I know God's saying that? You don't know. You only know that it's real because somehow the Holy Spirit has impressed it upon you. So Mary must have, uh, Elizabeth must have known that this child was leaping for joy. And... Um, but here's a baby, not even born. When the Lord comes, it, it celebrates by, with joy. And that is an interesting thought. What is it about Jesus that brings joy? What is it about Jesus when he comes into a situation brings joy? To do that... I'm going to backtrack and give you an overwhelming example, an overwhelming illustration. This is something they tell you never to do in preacher school, but I'm going to do it. And um, it's not going to seem very joyful, but eventually it'll make sense. But we're going to go back to World War II. All right. Now they say in preacher's college, never let your illustration overwhelm your point. You know, there's sometimes you've got an illustration that's such a shocking one that later on people don't remember the sermon. All they remember is that thing that the pastor said. They don't remember the point of it. They just remember the illustration was so horrible or so attention-getting. And um, this is potentially a bit like that because I'm going to show you some photos from World War II. The point, and it'll all make sense in a few minutes. Um... A few weeks ago, we talked about hope when we were in the first candle. And the point about hope was when, situa when, situations were so when there was a situation so bad, there were a lot of people that only got through the situation because they clung to hope. There was something in their mind or their heart that kept them going, and we call that hope. And all the way through the Old Testament, you know, there were these prophecies about Jesus. It was that it was that was what gave people hope because the Messiah was going to come and things were pretty bleak. Things were terrible, but they had hope. And so what you've got when the outcome arrives is joy. But we're going to go back into the bleakness of the situation and we're going to use an illustration, which is World War II, and try to, I want to try to paint a picture that you will feel. Because sometimes as a, Preacher, you're trying to ex explain things with words to try to help people understand, but pictures can give people feelings. Music can do that too. I'm going to show you some pictures. I'm going to show you 10 pictures from World War II. Now, I've made sure there's, they're all sanitised. There's no dead people or anything in them. But how many people here, I know there's at least one, remember World War II? Yep. Oh, there's two. There's two here this morning. Well, we should all go and chat with you after the message. But um, 
Dorothy over here was just one or two years of age? Two. Two years of age when the Blitz started, when the Blitz was happening in London. She tells me, I asked her just before, that their family would hide under the table. She remembers it. Her mother says the worst thing about the Blitz was the doodle bugs. I think David Hood told me this. These are these bombs that apparently made a whistling noise coming through the air. Then they would stop whistling, and that's when they had started falling directly, and you didn't know where they were going to land. You just knew there's a bomb out there, and you hear the whistling, and then it stops, and you're waiting to see if your house will blow up or someone else's. So this is World War II. We don't know what it's like, but I'm going to pop up a whole series of photos. I want to move through them quickly to not waste too much time on them, but I hope to give you a feeling. So this is September the 7th, 1940. This is the first morning of the Blitz. So Germany was flying over the night before and they started dropping bombs that night. And this is the first morning. You can see London uh, Tower Bridge. This is um, a little bit later. This is, um, this is the aftermath of some of the bombing and some of the building going on. Keep on moving through. This is children that have just had their home blown up. They're sitting in front of their house. And um, those children just a little bit older than what Dorothy was at the time. This is British men looking at a sign and a map that's showing them what the British are doing back to the Germans in retaliation. You can see it says that the air defensive raid, there's maps showing we're attacking Berlin, we're attacking, attacking Hamburg. This is the next picture, is a city of Dresden. Look at that. Hardly anyone in Dresden survived. This is Pearl Harbor. This is when the Japanese entered the war, the Pacific. We'll move along. This is in Europe. There's a lot of sad photos. But this is when the Germans were retreating. And as they were, just go back to that previous one with the lady. The lady's running out of this burning building. As the Germans were retreating, they were lighting up houses as they were going. They weren't just like happy to just leave. They were lighting up buildings and setting them up on fire. And this lady lost her house as the Germans were retreating. The next picture is prisoners of war in a concentration camp. You can see they're not being fed very well. The next photo is actually in colour. It's hard to see, but this is the Bomana War Cemetery in Papua New Guinea. I've been there. I think I've been there. Mum's been there. It's like row after row after row of tombstones. You can kind of see them along the bottom. And the last photo is of just one tombstone in that cemetery, an Australian soldier of the World War II, and it says down the bottom, known by God. I obviously don't know who that person was. So just to give you a bit of a quick feeling of what the war is like, I wanted to find photos that gave you a feeling of the sadness of it um, without showing you anything too gruesome that children couldn't see. But if you want to get a real sense of the sadness of it, just go home and type in World War II photos into Google and you'll see a lot of photos that make you really sad. Piles of dead bodies, and there's a lot of war cemetery photos. There's walls. There was one, there's a cemetery in Berlin, and all it is is just submarine workers. Underwater, these are basically U boat um, soldiers, and there's just 30,000 names on a wall. And all these are, are just Germans who worked in submarines. It's every single name of every single one who drowned. And like, we're talking millions and millions of people dead, the war going on year after year after year. 
Six, seven years of uncertainty. You don't know, you hear bombs coming in, you don't know if it's going to be you tonight. David and Dorothy's mum, she was obviously living through the Blitz. Their dad was not there, but their mum was uh, said that apparently one night they woke up the next morning and the whole tenement, row of tenement houses behind them, the whole was gone. The one they're in was fine. So that's the uncertainty of it. If you're um, a wife or a mum, it's your husband and your sons going off to war, a lot of them not coming back. Um, so being widowed or um, if, you're, if you're young women, it's all going off to work in factories, making bombs, making ammunition, building tanks. Children being sent by trains into the countryside to survive the bombing. If you've seen the Narnia movie, um, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, in the first few minutes, so that's obviously not a true story, but in the first few minutes of that, there's a scene from World War II, and then you see the, see the children being loaded onto trains to be sent out into the countryside. So children separated from parents, Millions of soldiers killed, millions of prisoners of war, prisoners of war dying in camps, um, sometimes camps set up purposely to kill people, millions of people dying from disease, inadequate health care, um, poverty, people not being fed properly, the war dragged on, felt like it would never end, marriage and family life impossible, no such thing as going to school and getting a proper education, no such thing as having a stable family life or getting ahead, certain groups of people like Jews actively targeted. The war went on and on. It was horrible. So I'm trying to say all of that to paint a picture of how miserable it was. Funny way to talk about joy on a day like today, don't you think? How joyful are you feeling right now? Well, the reason I said all of that is to show you the next set of photos when the war finished, because <laughs> they're very different. <laughs> We're going to just go through these quickly as well. This is the moment that the Germans surrendered at the end of World War II. Let's move on. That there is Winston Churchill giving a speech and V for victory. That's called VE Day, victory in Europe. Look at the crowd. This next photo, celebrations in Canada. The next photo, celebrations in Tennessee, USA. Next photo. Celebrations in London. By the way, go back to the London one. They celebrated for days. Do you know that the Queen, Queen Elizabeth, wasn't a queen yet, she was Princess Elizabeth, she snuck out and joined in the celebrations and nobody even knew? It says, I was reading about it, it says she joined in a conga line that snaked its way in and out of pubs. No one knew that Princess Elizabeth, future queen, is having the time of her life. King George said this about his two daughters. So this is Elizabeth and Margaret. King George said, poor darlings, they have never had any fun yet. <laughs> they were enjoying themselves. Keep, let's move on. The next, next photo was Times Square in New York. Look at that. Next photo, this is a prisoner of war camp, liberated. Those are some happy, happy prisoners of war. Next photo, these are Navy these are American and Russian sailors meeting together on the sea, celebrating the war is over, having beer and cigarettes together. And the last photo, one of the most famous of all, returned soldiers meeting their sweethearts, their wives. So, and there's a lot, lot of photos of joy. You can't imagine the joy without having lived through the misery. Do you remember how happy you were when you were allowed out of confinement from COVID? 
probably not as happy as people in Melbourne were. But that's nothing compared to what it was like to live through World War II. We're talking about a period of, of life so horrible and unequaled that people celebrate for days. Even the Queen, as dignified as she is, in a conga line. That is joy. But the joy is because the horrible thing is over. Now, in reality, the building's all still destroyed. The economy is a wreck. People are still sick. The misery is all kind of still there. But the bad thing is finished. <laughs> Liberation has come. And now things can start to improve. And that is what you have when Jesus comes. You have got that. And um, I, think, I think what happens is, I'll come back and make that point in a minute. Let us go and read a bit more of Luke's gospel. Let's go and read Luke chapter 2, verses 4 through to 20. So, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified, as you would be. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favour rests. Good thing all the angels didn't all appear at once in the first place. If they were terrified when just one appeared, <laughs> it was a plan. I'll appear... I'll get them over their terror. I'll say that something joyful is going to happen. And then, then let's party. <laughs> it's the only time in the history of the world the entire sky has suddenly lit up with angels partying. What was happening in the end of World War II, VE Day, that's what angels were doing. They lit the entire sky up with a massive angelic celebration. Isn't that an unbelievable thought? The angels actually understood it. See, we don't, we don't kind of understand it. We, it even sounds made up to people. Oh, yeah, the sky full of angels. No, what we've got is a VE day-like celebration, but much more glorious. And, of course, they had to let one appear to the, to the shepherds first to, to help them accept the fact, and then wham! <laughs> and... Um, that, and you know, the Bible says that when someone gives their heart to the Lord, there's rejoicing like that in heaven. Joy over the salvation of a person who gets saved. 
We're talking about something very grand here. Salvation is something very grand and joyful and worth celebrating. So the shepherds, seeing all of this, amazing stuff. And you know, look, what's the angel just said? There's going to be a sign. You're going to see a baby in a manger. And this is the Messiah. And they see the sky. What's the next thing you're going to want to do? Check out the baby. Right? So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which was just as they had been told. Why were the angels so joyous? Well, they knew something. See, we don't fully appreciate the joy at the end of World War II because we didn't live through it. Maybe Dorothy and this gentleman here can appreciate it a little bit, having some memories of it as young people, but the rest of us don't appreciate it much. But, you know, people don't party day on and day out throwing their hats into the air and kicking their heels for nothing. They were genuinely happy that that war had come to an end. And what we don't appreciate is the horrors of sin. The way that sin had affected this world so badly, we don't, we don't understand it. We don't realise the horrors of hell and judgement and separation from God. We don't understand the horrible nature of what the devil has done and how he's destroyed this world and killed many, many lives of people. That things like sin, death, disease, sickness, all of these are a result. You know, the, all these things are a result of, of sin and Adam and Eve's fall. We just don't understand how bad all of that stuff is. So we don't realise how much the coming of Jesus is worth celebrating. We actually have... I'm going to start wrapping up, but we actually have a double reason for joy. In the World War II example, they were celebrating because they were liberated. You know, particularly the people living in a place like London, you know, they were victims of the war. And the, the horrible things being perpetrated, it was all over, they could move on in life. So they were joyful because of their liberation. But there are some people, like German soldiers, for example, who, after the war, were put on trial in Nuremberg because they did things in the war, like war crimes, that were so horrible that they weren't celebrating when the war was over they knew that they were going to get what was coming to them. And they did. Those people were victims and perpetrators. They were victims of the war because their family was killed, they lost their children, their houses were blown up. They were victims of the war, but they were also perpetrators. 
some of those German people and others, Japanese, war atrocities and different things, they did things which were so horrible that after the war they were brought to account, they were put on trial, and some of them were killed, some of them were jailed. Do you know that spiritually, that's you. You're not just a victim of sin, you're a perpetrator of sin. Adam and Eve brought sin into the world, they were perpetrators. But they were also victims. What happened in the world affected them, but it was caused by them. It's the same for you. You're a victim of it because it affects you, but you're a sinner. So Jesus comes into the world to liberate the world from sin, but he also comes to liberate you from the sin inside of you. So you've got a double reason to be joyful. Because you're liberated from out there, and he'll liberate you from in here. And it'd be like a German soldier who had done the most despicable things. The war is over and there's a bit of relief about that. But then being pardoned, and it was as if you'd never done it. You'd become a new person, and that's you and me. So Jesus comes into the world as a liberator. And that is something, to me, it's very, very joyful. I'm very, very grateful for that. In Luke chapter 10, verse 17 to 20, a little bit later in the Gospels, Jesus sends out the 12 disciples and they go off to do some preaching and stuff and they pray for people and they cast out demons and they have a successful ministry. They come back, verse 17, it says, they return with joy and the Lord, they said, even the demons submit to us in your name. And the Lord Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample over snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice because your name is written in heaven. That's why we got a pink candle, because our name is written in heaven. We've won the heavenly lottery. It's it's something worth being happy about. <laughs> it's not just come to Christmas, oh, there's hope, joy, love and peace. Isn't that lovely? No, you've been saved. <laughs> You're not going to hell. Celebrate. <laughs> it's actually something to be joyful about. Now, maybe you're not saved. Maybe there's some people here today that aren't saved. Maybe your name is not written in heaven. Maybe your life is not right with God. Maybe there's someone listening on the video and your life is not right with God. Well, you're going to have to do something about that. In Hebrews 9 verse, 7, it is, 9 verse 27, it says, It is appointed unto men, unto people, it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, judgment. The Lord Jesus came as a liberator to save us from the judgment. So if your life is not right with God, you need to go and put it right. There are people here this morning, like myself, there are other leaders here, 
There are men and, men and women leaders. If your life is not right with God, you need to go and talk to them. You need to say, what do I have to do to be saved? If you're online and you're listening to this, you need to go find someone to talk to. Or worst case, email us at mail at peace.org.au. Take a step and get your life right with God. So we're not going to have an altar call. If you need to get your life right with God, I'm leaving it squarely at your feet. You need to do something about it. I'm not going to say, come out the forward right right now and do that. No. You need to do something about it. Okay? And you can come and talk to someone. We're willing to chat with you. But I'm leaving the ball at your feet. But I want to finish with this thought. And we might invite the band back. For most of us here, I assume we all are saved. And we know... Look, we know what it's like to be saved. I remember the day that I got saved. I was a four-year-old kid. I didn't know any theology. I knew nothing about God or the Bible. All I knew was that I could invite Jesus into my heart. And I prayed and I invited Jesus into my heart. And in that moment, I was different. I don't know what was different. I just was. I, something happened. He came in. I was alive. And... I think I must have got used to that feeling. You know what they say? They, I remember talking to someone who um, had been quite overweight for a very long time, and they'd made this big effort to diet, and they'd got down to being thin. And they said, I feel so great. I feel so healthy. I've got so much energy. I sleep better at night. But I remember asking them later, because sometime later they were still thin. I said, are you still feeling great? They said, I think I've gotten used to it. We get used to whatever feelings we've got, see? So if you're a Christian and you've been saved for a while, you're actually feeling great. You just got used to the feeling. If the Lord was to take his Holy Spirit away from you temporarily so that you felt like what the rest of the world feels like, you would say, oh God, give me back the Holy Spirit. And you'd say, oh, thank you, Lord, you're with me. It's the most wonderful thing of all. So we have got real hope. Here's our hope. One day we will be with him in eternity. We've got real peace with God. He is our peace. We've got real joy. Because <laughs> he's done something for us that no one else has been able to do and no one else can do. And you know what the Bible says? It's joy unspeakable. And it says the world cannot take it away. Isn't that amazing? That's what we have in Jesus Christ. He's our joy. And next week we'll find out a bit about the love of God, which is amazing too. So there's no better way than to finish than to singing a joyful song, which we'll do in just a second. But I'm going to pray for you first. So let us pray. Lord, I thank you for the advent of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the coming of the Lord into the world as our liberator. Lord, the conqueror, the one who entered into the world to destroy sin and to destroy the works of the devil and to overcome the power of evil out there and out of evil within us. Lord, you are our God. And I thank you. You've done all of this for us. We don't deserve it, but we sure do appreciate it. 
And now, Lord, may the joy of the Lord fill our hearts more and more and be overflowing. And may we walk as Christians who know our joy. Thank you, Lord. Fill us and bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.